Welcome to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and today's episode is sponsored by KB's Car Care on 321 North Main Street in, jo- in Jonesville, South Carolina, my hometown. They offer a hand car wash, a vacuum, and clean interior. Coming soon, you also full detail will be available. While you wait on your vehicle, customer seating is available as well as the dining area. They're open from Tuesday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 5 a.m., so make sure you stop by if you're in, ever in our area. Also, this episode is sponsored by Charlene's Home Cooking on 1136 East Blackstock Road in Jonesville. I mean, in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Charlene's Home Cooking is a family restaurant that cooks like grandma with fresh veggies, cakes, cooked order. You can do a meat with two sides, a meat with three sides, or a veggie plate. Cakes, pies, and cobbler are also available for dessert. And she wants you to feel at home anytime you visit, so make sure you stop by on Monday, th- Monday, Thursday, and Friday from 11 to 6, and Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 7. Thank you again, Miss Charlene, and thank you for KB's Call Care for sponsoring this episode. And once again, we are on the road for the Cross the Line Podcast Self-Investment Tour. We are here in Jacksonville, Florida, and our very first guest, special guest with us today, is Miss Shandrika Hope, another entrepreneur from the owner of Drika's Cookie Jar. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? Doing very well, thank you. We enjoyed it. Um, it's been, we've been down, this is our, what, third day down here, I believe, but we, we actually, it's been a journey. We kind of... We missed our flight, our first flight, so we ended up being stuck at the airport for a little while. But then we finally got down here, man. It's been it's been a great um, adventure. But we we've, we've been all over, like I said. We we're on our self investment tour, so we're happy to be here with you in Jacksonville, Florida. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so starting out, can you tell everybody how long have you actually been baking? Uh, so I really started baking when my daughter was one years old. Okay. So she's seventeen now. So about sixteen, seventeen years. 16, mm-hmm. 17 years. Yeah. And uh, what what kind of made you want to get into baking? Well, her first birthday party, um, as an elaborate parent, I just bought the cake, the balloons, the whole shindig. And I spent hundreds of dollars on things that I possibly could have made myself. Mm-hmm. So spending a lot of money um, starting off like, you know, for birthday parties, the moms want the the whole details it's like right. a lot of money so i was like i can make this i can do this i can do that and so by the time she turned two i had learned how to make a cake cupcakes cookies everything and mm-hmm. so from there moving forward i never had to purchase anything else you know for birthday parties or anything because i did it myself All right and now i know it's called mm-hmm. drinkers cookie mm-hmm. job but do you sometimes bake cakes or, or cupcakes or is it just strictly, now, strictly custom royal icing cookies uh, what were some of the early struggles you felt like you may have had when you first started out? When I first started out, the, the first struggle I had was the size of the cookie, the the uh, thickness of it. Mm-hmm. I think when I first started out, my cookies were too thin and they were burned easily. Mm. So I had to master uh, rolling out the dough, cutting out the dough, and making sure it was a good making sure it was a good uh, thickness to it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, taste. I know, I know you said you started baking, um, I think you said 16, 17 years? Yeah. So when, when was that point where you feel like started to realize, okay, I can turn this into like a, a legit business? So we lived in, um, we were prior military, so we lived around the country a lot. Um, okay. moved, moved around the country a lot and lived in different areas. And um, 2016, we moved here to Florida, and I took uh, a $22,000 pay cut. Mm. moving from Virginia to here in Jacksonville. And um, I knew I could not 
you know, have the same bills that I had in Virginia here in Florida and be living, you know, comfortable and right. being able to just survive. And um, I, I have two boys as well. And so my youngest son, he plays football and I did some cookies for their end of the season party. And everybody was ooh and ah and where's the business card and um, who made the cookies and it right. just kind of elaborated from there. And so I really doubted myself at first. I was like, wait a minute, I can sell these cookies? You know, right. are people gonna buy these cookies? And so I kind of played around with it and he played basketball the next um, like season. It was fall, it was fall sports was uh, football and then basketball. Mm -hmm. And then um, I did the basketball cookies. And actually from there, it just took off. Mm. Um, so it's kind of like you were like the go-to mom for for um like those kind of things like for the sports teams like yeah your mom get these uh cookies out that is a great way to you know mm -hmm. get a, get word out there anyway so just in case if those parents need something mm -hmm. in the future like they know and that's exactly how it, it really started into the business mm -hmm. and uh, from there like they had other kids that play other sports so it became like a real sports mom i was making a lot of football cookies basketball cookies i uh, made some soccer cookies then I went to chili and cookies. Mm -hmm. It was all like things that, you know, kids did. And then it turned into, I think that fall was like back to school cookies. And um, July was uh, 4th of July cookies. And from there, and July was officially like, okay, this is it. July of uh, 20, what, 2017, 2017, 2016, okay. 2016, 2017. Now I know you say you <laughs> um, you bounced around. Like, where, where are you originally from? I'm originally from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Oh, okay. And yeah. then you've just been bouncing all over from, from there? Mm-hmm. Moving with the military uh, from a previous uh, marriage. And so we lived in Japan and uh, different countries and different cities, different states. And then finally we uh, landed here. Okay. Was it for, for bacon, um, mm -hmm. was there anyone in particular when you, were, when you were doing these cakes? I mean, I keep saying cakes. Cakes, cookies. Yeah, I got to have it saying cakes. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I must be having that's on my mind. I need to go get me a cake or something. <laughs> but uh, was there anybody you studied in particular when you were trying to perfect your craft? Or did you look at like somebody on like Food Network or you Google recipes? Or what was it did you did yeah, to try to perfect I, your um, <clears throat> When I first learned um, about the cookies, I Googled on um, just, well, just Google searches and YouTubes. And I watched a lot of videos of people uh, flooding the cookies, uh, which is the icing and the different consistencies and um, so there are some pioneers like Julia Usher and, um, Leah Loa and, uh, the sugar pastries, a lot of people, Emma Sweets. Mm -hmm. And so Sugar Bell, Sweet Sugar Bell. So I watched a lot of their videos when they first started out teaching people how to do the cookies. Um, and so now these are like our like wholesale suppliers and people. So we're talking at least 10, 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would just sit at night and watch videos and just go in the kitchen and practice and practice and practice and practice and practice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of practicing. Because um, I think some people, you know, when they reach out to me, it's like, oh, it's an overnight process and I can just, you know, well, now I can, within a, a couple of days. But when I first started, it was like, mm, give me a it's week. A journey, yeah. Yeah, to do these cookies. I'm like, I had to get the icing right. But the, yeah. um, who who was the person that uh, you kind of like let them test out and, and give you like some feedback, whether it's good feedback or, you know, negative feedback? My like, kids, they're the honest people <laughs> ever. They're like, Mom, this cookie nasty. I'm like, okay, so what do you think I need more of? And um, 
it was a lot of trial and error with mm-hmm. that. I mean, until it was to the point, it's like, okay, this is it. This is my recipe. This is good. Mm-hmm. I kind of toggle back and forth with my grandma's old uh, tea cake recipe um, back from, I would say, the early 80s. You remember those little tea cake cookies? I'm not oh, sure no. I do. Okay, so Louisiana, there are these little cakes, these little uh, cookies called tea cakes. Mm-hmm. I might have to Google it now. Yeah, so and so it kind of spanned off a little bit from there, but I didn't want that dry taste to it. So I play with a lot of emulsions and flavors and butter, and I'm talking years of just getting all of that, like, perfected. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so my kids, they... That's one thing about kids, though. They, they'll speak their mind. Oh, yeah, they're honest. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't hold back. Whatever, whatever on their mind, that's one thing. Yeah. They're going to they gonna tell you how you feel, how they feel about anything. Did your, uh, your, grand, your, like you say, your grandma's recipe, mm-hmm. did, did they bake a lot growing up for you, your mom, your, uh, your grandparents? Not really. Mainly so, like, around holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas. You know, we had the pies and the cakes and the cookies and just pretty much, like, around the holidays, nothing mm-hmm like this not like a, a business right. or just baking for fun everybody was working mm-hmm. back then <laughs> did you uh do you do any type of uh because the cookies look amazing everything i've seen on instagram I'm like yeah. man these look really good have you done any type of competitions or anything or is it just you know, like just selling them and you know yeah just word of mouth type of thing it, it started off as word of mouth and i've been contacted um prior covid i was um contacted through the food network and I was wow. one of the final, um, it's a process. It's like a three-step process or maybe more than it, but I made it to like the third process before getting selected to go on the show. And then COVID happened. So oh, I was like, okay, I'll give it a try again. But I just haven't had a lot of time, a free time to dedicate to just really focusing on all the things that needed that I needed to do to get myself out there and promote it again to be on a food network show or something mm-hmm. like that but would the offer still be there i know it's covid <clears throat> happened it's changed a lot of dynamics with a lot of i think businesses. they redid like the series is something else now so they often do like i just like gingerbread house contest or um 3d type cookies and things like that so that's 3d cookies is like something i'm futuristically thinking about because mm-hmm. that's a, a cookie to a whole nother level right I also seen that you were um, you're also an educator as well, mm-hmm. right? Um, what, yeah. So is that what your primary career was? Is always yes. being an educator? So the last 19 years, uh, I was in the classroom. The last 12 was third grade reading. Um, I spent a lot of time, as, as I say, traveling the country. But every state I lived in, I was a teacher. And um, when I graduated from college in 2001, I started off my first job as a teacher. So I've mm-hmm. been that's all I've been doing. Um, well, I take that back. I started off as news reporting anchor at first for like a semester, and oh, then wow. went back into uh, teaching. So that's <laughs> what made you uh, do the news anchor. That's kind of interesting because you know, for me, I, I did. Uh, I started working my senior year. Um, I, I got an internship was doing some kind of uh, media, so I was mm-hmm. um, in, doing internship. I covered the Hornets, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I did a lot of different sporting events. What made you uh, kind of get into that? Was it just something that came available after graduation when you jumped into it? or? Well, my, my bachelor's in speech communication. So okay. I did a lot of uh, my, ma- my master's, master's, sorry, my minor was in communication. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> normally in that field, you do public relations type work. But I lived in a small town at that time, Monroe, Louisiana. is like okay. three hours north of Baton Rouge. And there weren't many jobs. And so I remember... Um, 
doing some reporting and they would always put me on like the school beats with the kids. And then I covered a um, story of a, a tragedy that happened to a little girl and their family would, would talk about like the school systems and things like that. And so I actually applied at the school system, started working there and um, have, I didn't look back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was it. I just made that quick career change. But thinking about it, I always wanted to be a teacher since I was five. So it's kind of like one of them things like, well, yeah, I want to be a teacher, but let me try this out. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't I didn't more so change because it's like it didn't work out. I just knew that my heart and passion was like with kids and teaching. Mm-hmm. We, we've had a few um, teachers <clears throat> on, educators. Well, they, they let me ask you about that first. I know sometimes when I would say call them teachers, they'll say educator and different mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, do you is it a to you is it a difference between the word uh, teacher educator? Uh, I know Taylor Spencer. We had her on. She said it's pretty much is she it, they're interchangeable to her. But a mm-hmm. lot of times she said if you tell people you're a teacher, they automatically think school. But she was like anybody can be like be an teacher. educator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody can be a teacher. Everybody can be an educator. Yeah, because you can go to mm-hmm. like I think she said like, I think she used. The, the um, comparison she used, like the Mr. Charlie, the ice cream store can teach a kid uh, the the um, anything about you know being an ice cream man and stuff like that or, or mm-hmm. mechanic or anything. But she said it's kind of like interchangeable. Do you? It is. I agree. The same way for you. Mm-hmm. I agree. So for you, also education. What do you see? Um, how do you feel about the education system? Because we we do a lot of entrepreneurship interviews. Basically, that's what we're based on. Mm-hmm. Um, ed- we talk about education a lot. Well, how do you feel about our education system that's set up here in America overall? Um, I know you, you've been through it, so I know yeah, you. Yeah, so in comparison to like, uh, I, and I just, I taught in Japan for three years. And it, it's a total different education system than it is here in the United States. Um, I think one of our um, main things in the education system here is the lack of funding mm-hmm. um, for all students. Um I've been in school districts where, you know, certain schools look one way and certain schools look another way. And it's a a, a different um, money pot, let me just put it like that, for, you know, Title I schools and things like that. But it has just always been, to me, a down-the-middle-of-the-road type system. It's either you're on the left side or on the right side. Right. But it's not all equal. Right. Would you say Japan is, like, Mm -hmm. far more advanced than us? Oh, Yeah. Far more advanced, um, even to the to the to the saying of just being respectful to the teachers. Oh yeah. I mean, the minute you walk through the door, it is silence. It is sensei. It's total respect. There, you're you're on a pedestal over there. Here, mm-hmm. it's like you're a teacher. <laughs> oh yeah. It's like a joke. Yeah, I had a, my my aunt. She's a teacher. At mm-hmm. a, it's kind of like a lower income school in, mm-hmm. in Spartanburg, and uh, she she. She has a time with 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 some of the kids, you know. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know when you try to discipline them or mm-hmm. and let them know they're wrong about stuff, they want to talk back or they tell their parents, mm-hmm. and then the parents want to come up there, yep. take up for them, even when the child is wrong. Mm-hmm. I guess the parents just feel like their kids can do no wrong, which is part of the problem. Because right. They, my parents, for me, they were never like that. Mm-hmm. If, if whatever the teacher said, which I I never really got in trouble anyway, though, but. If the right. teacher were, were to call, they were going to automatically be on the side of the teacher because right. that's just how it was. And that's how it used to be. It's no right. longer that way. Very seldom you'll find a few parents that are on the teacher's side. And most times they are, I feel, um, people who really understand the level of respect that is that is earned and given to each party. And 
Uh, I think a lot of harsh environments tend to travel over to the school system, the, mm-hmm. the students, right. and it makes it very difficult to communicate with parents right. about certain issues, certain things. Would, what would you uh, do, you know, being teaching over there in Japan and then coming here and seeing, like, how more event, how well advanced they are than we are, what would you, uh, kind of things would you do to kind of uh, change our education system? If, you, if it was up to you, what would you, what would your input be? Well, I would say one would be, um, it's almost like it's a, it's a minimization there. All they need is paper and pencil, um, maybe some colored pencils. You know, you look at our supply list, we need binders and notebooks and colors and markers and highlighters and all this stuff. Paper and pencil, just take it back to the beginning and teaching kids. And I speak really about math, the correct way and operations of numbers. Um, That is pretty much what the core is moving to now. Mm -hmm. And here we are, you know, 20 plus years ago. Thinking about okay, how do we want our kids to learn? What is what do we want them to learn in society? And now it's like, oh, we're going to catch up with the other part of the world. Now we're going to teach our kids this. So that's why a lot of parents complain about the Common Core, the Eureka Math, things like that, because it's new to us, but it's not new to anybody else in the world. So mm-hmm. catch up. But I would probably just start back from the beginning, from the basics. What would you say is the hardest part of like today being an educator? The hardest part. Um, the hardest part being an educator is, I would say, the 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 lack of funding of Just everything of that funding. you need in the classroom. Technology. Um, I worked here in Jacksonville the last six years since moving here, and just this past year, I got a um, a smart board or a willing smart board mm-hmm. in my classroom. Um, it's just things like that. Whereas in, you know, I lived in Virginia, every classroom was equipped with a smart board. Mm-hmm. Now smart boards are out. Now it's a smart table and then it's a smart tablet. So it's like we're just getting a smart board and now it's the next three things that yeah. came out. Now we're behind the curve on technology. So it's like keeping up with the most recent. Right. Well, how How is <laughs> with, with COVID? I'm, I'm going to stick to education for a second. Then we'll tie it into business as well, your mm-hmm. business. How has COVID impacted um the teaching because I know for me teaching my kids um they, they learn so many I don't like the virtual me personally mm-hmm. it just it's not the same as when they can go there with the teacher and do the face to face and get some some more personal time like that even though I have a lot of kids there but to me it's just not the same and then uh like now that they do a number bonds I'm like they we never did number bonds mm-hmm. like let's just stick to like the basic math like the way we used to do it but it's like they teach in so many different ways which I which when I look at the number bonds, I get it. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, man, this why would they just don't do it the simple way like we used to do it? But but um how has COVID impacted uh, education from for you guys down yeah, here? Yeah, same, same. It's the virtual. Um I'm more of a face to face teacher. Um when I and I say when I was in the classroom because this year I took on a new role and new responsibility. So I work with college interns now and placement of interns in the county. So I'm not no longer in the classroom teaching the third graders. I have the college kids now. <laughs> so okay. it's been fun. But teaching online, um, Zoom, breakout rooms, Google Meets, all of those, I'm over it. Right. <laughs> um, I, I think I have done the best that I could have done 
you know, being in a situation that we're in, it has impacted. I know a lot of kids, especially kids that have like IEPs or special accommodations. Um, I feel like if you're going to be at home, you know, virtually, and you have the ability to sit right there with your child and walk them through it, that's the best. But if you're working or you can't really tend to the to the kids to make sure they're on task online at a certain time, it's not it's not a good fit. But right now, that those are the trying times that we're dealing with. Right. We have you know seven year old, eight year olds that's on a computer, and they can't tell time. So it's like you're supposed to be online at nine. Right. Oh, when this hand get here and this hand get here, then you need to be online. Then it's just so many implications that affect the learning um i would say the learning environment that is just totally different but it looks like unless they get this under control this is a new way yeah, of learning and, and, I just, and i just worry about kids um getting too far behind on on work and not under, mm-hmm. fully understanding some of the stuff and it's like you don't want to just push the kids through to the next mm-hmm. grade and then once they get to the next grade they don't really understand like they're mm-hmm. not on the level that they're on but yeah what else can you really do and then like you said like even the grandparents or whoever, like grandparents, a lot of times the grandparents have to help with the kids. They're not used to like using Zoom or Skype mm-hmm. or whatever you're trying to use. And it's like they can only do so much. And like right. you said, some of the kids, they can't read. They can't really tell time. Mm-hmm. So how do you, it's like it puts those yeah. kids in a tough spot. It does. And like even if they're in a the classroom, it's tough. But as a teacher, we know to pull a small group and work with kids one-on-one or pull in additional resource teachers, uh, keep people that will help, you know, promote the kid up to where they need to be. But when they're at home and they got to log in at a different time because it's a different group and it's a breakout room with this teacher and that teacher, it's complicated. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like, you know, parents have to have a schedule. They have to be super organized. And the kid got to be highly motivated, Mm -hmm. highly motivated to do it at home. It's just hard to sit there and look at a laptop mm-hmm. for so long, you know, your mind starts. Mm-hmm. Even when we were in the classroom, you know, if it's a lot of times those courses that they teach, they don't they don't grab your attention. Your mind start wandering, you're ready to do something else. So imagine kids just sitting at a laptop, just looking at it all day long mm-hmm. and watching videos and stuff. It's like it's Yeah. Over it's draining. Time. Yep. Mm-hmm. It is. So let's let's tie that into with the COVID situation. Tie that into entrepreneurship. How is how has COVID impacted your business? Well, when it first happened in back in March, um, I was packed with orders for spring break. Um, I didn't go anywhere for spring break. I pretty much stayed home and took orders. And then when we had the city order to stay in, and we had a curfew, I'm like, why would people come out to get cookies? Well, you'd be surprised. <laughs> Everybody came out and got their yep. cookies. Stuck in the and house. then it was then I was like, wait, wait, this is a serious matter. Like, this is a serious thing. And it was contagious. And it was, I was like, okay, guess what we're getting ready to do? I canceled all orders and offered, you know, refunds um, back if I hadn't, you know, purchased the supplies. Supplies are already started, like the orders in queue, which means bacon or doing the dough and things like that. Um, so, about a month and a half, I'll probably say two months. Um, I didn't do any baking or any selling or anything like that. Um, and then when uh, the city opened back up, it was like, everyone just wear a mask. And I think at that point, we still were kind of like, yeah, we just wear a mask and everybody's, you know, good. And then when the numbers here in Florida was just, you know, the more and more I paid attention to it, I was like, eh, I don't know about this. So I started doing uh, do-it-yourself kits. I sat them on the porch and people would come and purchase mm. and buy us, no contact. 
and um, that sold out within hours of promoting it. And so I was like, hey, I got to, you know, keep up with this cookie demand. Um, so that's when I started back baking. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you. But now under safe precautions and everything like that, uh, with the food cottage law, the sanitation, everything, everything has to go through all the cleaning process. And so just like a regular restaurant, it's just that it's cottage right. law at home. And mm-hmm. it, it's just tough to see like all of these, um, it's a lot of businesses are closing down now mm-hmm. because of everything. And I think we had one up recently where we were, um, they needed a certain amount of money to, uh, to keep their business going. You know, one, the lady that, that owned it, uh, she had just got laid off from a job, and then all the things she had was her business, mm-hmm. and then she didn't have enough money to keep it funded. So I don't, I'm not sure what the situation was with them, but it's like, man, this is really shutting down a lot of, mm-hmm. especially like a lot of families built these businesses from the ground up, mm-hmm. and and they needed that that income and everything to keep them going. And yeah. now it's like a lot of them are going away. Some of them temporarily, and a lot of them are like permanent, like mm-hmm. not even coming back. So it's still a blessing for you to still, you know, keep it going, even yeah. though the circumstances are changing. Mm-hmm. But it's just one of those things you got. I hope um, I'm not like you said. I'm not sure how how this thing is going to turn out or how long it's going to be. But yeah, um, for a small businesses, I when it when I start seeing people even here in this local area just you know start shutting down. One of my um, dear friends, sorority sister, um, her parents owned the AR workshop. And I know they were impacted, you know, by COVID and everything. And I have another friend who um, had a little cake stand business um, out in Fleming Island area. And um, she just had to totally shut down. Um, so I do know that I am lucky. I'm in a home. In a, in, it's under the Florida's um, college law it's where you're able to bake in your home and things like that. But had I had a brick and mortar with, you know, uh, overhead expenses. Rent, rent, yeah. I don't think that I would be able to last as long as I did. Right. Not at all. So when, so now for you, when when you have these um, deliveries or something, like you said, do you do you just sit them? Like, how do you do it now? Like, I know you say so, you send some. Yeah, well, with the D, the DIY kits, I I just did a porch pickup when the COVID had first started. Uh, our orders they would come and they would just pick up. I had like a little stand there, come and get the cookies off of. Um, but now, I mean, I'm in this. Um, apartment here so I just have like a directionality and they come down and I just drop the cookies off here to them at the at the curbside that's pretty much it do you feel how do you feel about um baking do you feel like that's your true calling now or do you feel more about passionate about uh educating um well I'm kind of (laughs) torn because I'm I have about 12 more years or so and I can retire Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm looking at Florida retirement system I'm like okay how many more years Mm -hmm. But um, I think that only because sometimes times have changed and when different situations happen involving the school system, it's just kind of like, all right, I'm over this, you know. But at the end of the day, um, I do enjoy baking. It's my passion. It's my outlet of when I used to be really stressed out at work, um, testing season, things like that. Um, I do a lot of baking for my daughter now. Um, As I mentioned to you earlier, she's a volleyball player. Um, So a lot of my proceeds these last – Two years, I would say, and just di- goes directly to her and promoting her for a mm-hmm. uh, scholarship. Or do you do you bring them in for your classroom as well? Do you try oh, to? Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if they'll let you guys do it, but do you try to like do some things where you kind of like teach them baking or any kind of skills or? Well, um, I taught reading 
So okay. we would do a lot of um, reading, perhaps, um, in class. And like for their birthdays, special uh, holidays and things like that, uh, Christmas, I'll give them like a stocking cookie with their name on it mm. and things like that. Um, but as far as like teaching, no, not really. Um, we did a reading one time about uh, a recipe. It's uh, instructional strategies. Mm-hmm. And then me to say, oh, Miss Hope, that's like your cookies. I mean, yeah. they, they, they'll they tie it in before I will. They were making those connections. So it's pretty cool. But I get to, you know, do cookies and pass them out as gifts. And, you know, I have interns now, so they get cookies and welcome into the teacher field and right. things like that. How do you is, is, how do you find time to, like, balance, you know, being a mom? teaching and baking is it how do what do you try to do to balance everything out so um i actually just shared this with um another upcoming cookier so i have a tight schedule and everybody knows me knows i'm like uh, a planner so Mm. i know what i'm doing the whole day and what time i'm doing what so i normally um bake on mondays and tuesdays and then wednesday thursday friday i decorate uh, Friday evening, like packaging, and then they'll pick up Saturday morning, like from eight to twelve. Pretty much after twelve on Saturday, I'm off, and Sundays I'm off. Um, so about two days, two or three days, and it depends on how many orders I have that week. Um, I've slowed down a lot. <laughs> I used to do twenty, thirty dozen a week, mm. and um, and my space is a lot bigger than it is now. But I had to just scale back because it was. Very time consuming. I felt like it would be even busier now because, like you said, when people you had to be quarantined, you know, more people be stuck in the house and just yeah, I, and I am busy. I had to cut. I had to cut it off. Like mm-hmm. I just posted the other day. Um, I'm booked for custom orders for the rest of the year um, because I do want to leave time in my schedule. I feel bad if I just really focus on custom orders and people who just want cookies just for the holidays or whatever don't get a chance to get any. So I offer flash sales, which I'm getting ready to launch the Thanksgiving one, um, probably this evening, this afternoon. I've been trying to wait till all the packaging get in. So I got another Amazon package I got to go get from the mailbox. But once I put everything together, advertise, then the Thanksgiving sale will go live. And Mm so um, that gives other people opportunities who don't have custom orders to just buy, you know, cookies here and there for their families Mm -hmm. or what have you. Now, are the cookies available everywhere or just like in the Jacksonville area or what? Um, Why do you um, ship them out to? So I don't ship um, due to the cottage law, uh, but there are probably about, I would say, I think it's about 20 of us um, in this area, but we're kind of scattered out. Jacksonville is huge. Uh, We have a little cookie group, Northeast Florida cookie group, and so we all like collaborate, share. If someone can't do an order, we'll pass it on to another cookie Um, It's a really good community to be a part of. Um, I've met a lot of good people through that group. Um, Like I said, we share ideas, um, uh, refer each other customers that we can't, you know, complete their order, things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's been pretty good. Just a few more questions, and then we'll get ready to wrap it up. Okay. Um, Won't want to take take any more of your time. Uh, I know you have some finished doing some baking and everything. Um, what, was the, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned personally through this, throughout this pandemic? The biggest lessons that I've learned throughout the pandemic is, I would say, I won't even say it's a lesson learned. I just have been a little bit more compassionate about mm-hmm. people and their situations and understanding that 
a lot of people are going through a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just take a lot of that into consideration when baking or working with um, people who volunteer with different services. I've done a lot of uh, cookies for people who've done volunteer work uh, recently. Um, yeah, I just I would say just I'm just a lot more compassionate about I think that's one of the key things is being compassionate because before this, you never really knew what people were going through. Mm-hmm. Now it's, it's like this is something that didn't just hit the middle class or mm-hmm. like the lower income. This this is hit everybody. everybody. So mm-hmm. even people who make six, seven figures or whatever, they're facing the same thing and they're not making the same income that they are. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things like you just um, – and it, it, it to me it also – kind of teaches you not to live above your means too. right like a lot of stuff you really we really don't even need anyway mm-hmm. but we just do it to you know just to have it or you want to impress right. somebody else or something but it's now it's that's one of the things i kind of look at now it's like man it's a lot of this stuff man we really don't need it's not even necessary to mm-hmm. to live and survive right and now a lot of people are are forced to you know kind of do away with some of those other mm-hmm. things that they we are. never really needed anyway mm-hmm. but, like uh, my nails and my eyelashes right <laughs> the pandemic taught me that i didn't need right. it i remember i, I remember that, that uh when it first <laughs> hit us and the barbershops were closed i went about i said about almost two full months without getting a haircut oh, and wow. man i look look i look like a cat i had all this on my face um my shape up was all messed up i had hair everywhere and and my 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 people were like, man, you look you look bad. Like they <laughs> like they wouldn't try to say. My sister, she would say it like they wouldn't really try to say it like that. But my sister, was like, right. you look rough. You need to go to the barbershop. Right. But I was like, well, I, yeah. you know, I can't because the barbershops are closed right now. But yeah, barbershops, beauty salons, yeah. nail salons. I mean, but it was all right for me though. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean, I I didn't go anywhere. I just stayed in the house, just relax and try to work on some other things. It kind of slowed down interviews. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, we still had our um, still had our day job, so we were still able to, you know, we were fortunate enough to get up and go to work. Right. So we could um, still um, make a living. But a lot of people, mm-hmm. they they were laid off, and um, right, they didn't get a chance to do any of this stuff. But a lot of them didn't want to come back, in, go back anyway when uh, they were getting that unemployment, mm-hmm. which was crazy. Right. I kind of was like, man, I wish I was getting a little bit of this every <laughs> the way they were. Spending money and shopping, and yeah. I'm like, oh God, I got to get up and get online and figure this thing out because that was our first time being online back in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to call parents, call students. Where are you? Where, I'm online. Where are you? You're not online. I'm online. Mm. Right. That was a whew, fiasco. Could just a couple more, and then we'll wrap it up. Is there anything differently you would do on your journey? Anything differently? Um. Yeah, I would say I would I I would love to offer um a lot of more different selections of the cookies. I think that would if I can do anything differently, um more so stand to some of the same basic styles, but I don't have the time right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I say working full time, being a mom, traveling with my daughter and it's volleyball. I just um really kind of stick to some of the basic I do some details and elaborate cookies here and there, but I, I want to, you know, offer different things, mm-hmm. uh, different cookies, different designs. When everything uh, open back, opens back up, I'm just gonna speak it into existence. When, when everything <laughs> opens back up, 
Are you? Do you have any other type of business ventures that you want to do as far as maybe expanding, like I asked earlier, like cakes, cupcakes, or do you want to do a totally different business? What what other business venture, um, ventures you may have? I, I have this vision of doing this cookies on a card. I just, card. I cannot, <laughs> I can't, I can see it in my mind and picture it, like the whole awning and the wheels on an actual cart. Um, and I, I thought about this um, a few years back when they have these food trucks. They have a, food, uh, it's a lot of food trucks in this area, in Jacksonville area. And I was just, that cookie cart, it stands out, it'd be different. Mm-hmm. I can offer different cookies, different um, flavors, things like that. Just kind of branch off to different things. But as long as I'm teaching right now, I don't have that kind of time. Right. Any... But, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, um, but I'll just say that's that's what I would do differently. Do you think you in the future um any type of like I know you teach already, so of course you you already kind of like instituting like mentorship and mentoring these mm-hmm. kids. Do you think you will do more of that also? With, um, just doing more things like of course whoever wants to get into baking and stuff like kind of things would you like ins- inspire instilling those kid people? Yes, I um I've done some homework a lot of work with um social injustice and education so i think that's like the next uh dip that i'm sticking my head out in and and getting involved with um uh, with the urban education center at university of north florida um know some key people over there that just kind of been linking in doing some work in the education field so offering cookies at some of those events um some of those seminars and workshops and things like that um local people in the business uh they are the cookies for their uh business and seminars things like that so that's pretty much kind of where it's moving towards but again it all depends on volume and time and designs this is the um self-investment tour so when i've been going everywhere we've been going everywhere i like to ask everybody what does self-investment mean to you Self-investment. <laughs> <laughs> Take care of yourself. Right. <laughs> um, yes. I mean, honestly, that's that's my honest. When I thought about that, um, when you when I talked to you the first time, you was like, you invested in yourself. I was like, yeah, you know, I kind of invested in myself, too. Like, mm-hmm. I've done a lot of work behind the scenes to get to where I am now, and it, it's not easy. Nope. And, you know, I'm on Facebook, and I know people get tired of seeing my cookies sometimes. They may. I don't know. I post and post and post and will post and promote and post again and put it on Instagram and put it in a story and repost and share it on my page. Mm-hmm. And because I feel like you're your best self when you are yourself and you're promoting yourself and people believe you. People watch you. I, I think I saw this quote on um, Instagram a while back. They'll watch you for, for years before they support you. It's they'll true. watch you, you know, and compare you to other people and before they support you. And then finally, they'll, hey, I want to order some cookies. I'm like, oh, okay, what, what, what can I get you? Mm-hmm. You know, and I know you follow me for like the last five, right. six years, you know. I mean, hey, thanks for following me, you know. But I think self-investment is, is what it is, is you promoting and working on yourself, Absolutely. being a better person than you were the day before. And like you said, when you when you posting and posting, it's kind of like a trigger. Where they, they may not use it. Think of it right then, but mm-hmm. then a lot of them say, you know, I want something sweet. I want some cookies. Then they think of you because mm-hmm. they see you post it all the time. Mm-hmm. But like in absolute, something else you said was like people will watch you that you may not never know watching you. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's clearly you can tell that even like like if you post something on Facebook or videos or anything, like you'll see you may have like 
couple of hundred likes, mm-hmm. but it, I mean a couple hundred views, but then the likes may not they may only have like four or five likes. It's mm-hmm. like okay, nobody's liking it, but it clearly I had these views, so somebody's watching it anyway. Mm-hmm. But I when I first did my Instagram page, they used to bother me so much. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I've I I've post the post the post, the actual post, but then I'll share it to the story. And I think when I first started, it used to have like 300 and something views and like four, like you said, four likes. And I'm like, well, if they seen it, why they not liking the picture? Do they yeah. not like it? And so I had to get out of the mindset of like how even social media, that's a whole nother podcast, but how it even Damn. works and how people view things and whether they like or love. That was a whole nother debate <laughs> one time between me and another friend of mine we were talking. Um, so it, I don't know. I just realized like I can't allow social media to control what I post or how I post it or if I'm de- deciding who likes what I just continue to work right you know at the end of the day I just continue to post nobody have to like it right. nobody have to love it nobody have to share it I'm gonna still work I'm gonna still do my job I'm gonna still you know pour out my passion because that's what I I do at the end of the day absolutely my, my one final question any advice mm-hmm. for any entrepreneurs, what would you say to them is whether it's they want to bake or any other thing that they want to do in, in life, what advice would you give to those on um, future entrepreneurs? Go. Keep start. I mean, get started and go. Just keep going. Absolutely. Don't give up. Yeah, that's the key. Yep. I think when people see people at their, and I say success, or at the peak of their business, I always think about the struggles and how long it took them to get there. And some people, they want that instant gratification. It's like it happens overnight, and you just you wake up this millionaire, and it's like, mm-mm, it don't work like I mean, that. That's true. So I think people can get addicted to that attention and those mm-hmm. likes and everything, but it's it's more than what you see. And a lot of right. times, those people, um, like I, I said all the time, like those people that a lot of times that you may see on social media, on Instagram, looking like they're winning, they're living their best life, they got these, they on this trip or this mm-hmm. car. It's like a lot of those times they post this stuff just to kind of make themselves feel better, mm-hmm. even though deep inside, man, you, you yep, self gratification, self gratification, but mm-hmm. you never know. Like a lot of those people are, are they, so they hurt by something deep down inside or they struggle, but they try mm-hmm. to put out the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's one thing about this podcast. We like to have open, honest conversations and, and that way you can see people go through their journey and, and train and mm-hmm. watch, see how they transform. Um, I say it all the time. Like I, from where we first started to now, it's mm-hmm. it's been a long journey. Actually, mm-hmm. my mom, it's my first time actually getting on a plane. Um, I was scared at first. Like we were oh on the plane, gosh. I was, I kept <laughs> telling I was like, uh, I said, man, why we up so high? I said, why this plane shaking like this? Why it's rocking like that? I was just like, oh my nervous. goodness. But man, it's it's been it's been a great journey though. I enjoy. It. Um, I guess I'm kind of, I'll be. A little nervous getting back on that plane, especially when it was just <laughs> taking off, going up. So you're not going to Japan because that's an 18 hour flight, non stop. That's a long flight, non stop. I had to take a couple of naps. <gasps> a nap? Uh, you actually gonna go to sleep on a plane? Are you worried about it done? Yeah, I had to go. I have to. I, I probably have to. That's a that's a long flight. Oh man, that's that's a long time. But you know what? I, I'm not ruling out anything. I said I, I've done this. I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. So that's if, right. If somebody called from Japan and and we got to go over there for an interview, once COVID gets taken care of, mm-hmm. uh, we, we're on the road. So that's that's what it's all about. Like I said, it's a self-investment. So we'll definitely go. Um, what, I think I already asked. Before we get out of here, though, can you tell everybody how to find you on social media? 
On social media, Drika's Cookie Jar. I'm on Instagram and I'm on uh, Facebook. Absolutely. Well, Miss Shandrika, thank you for your time. Thank you for being an educator, educating the children because they need it. We all need it. Even us adults, we still need it. It's still a learning process for us as well. Thank you for serving people with your cookies and um, letting us into your home and doing this interview. Um, We appreciate you. And hopefully everybody that watched this interview, hopefully you enjoyed it. You took something away from it. So till next time, this is Cross the Line Podcast, Self-Investment Tour. Thank you for listening.